Well, good morning to, uh, to everyone, those of you that are online. Uh, welcome, we're glad that you're with us. And those of you that are in the room, good morning. I'm so glad to, to be here together on MLK weekend. Um, yeah, if you don't know me, I'll just introduce myself here quickly. Uh, my name is Dominic, and I'm a sinner saved by grace in Jesus Christ. I've been married to my wife for 15 and a half years. She's amazing. But I am still in the process of learning how to love her the way that Christ loves his bride, the church. Uh, God has entrusted us with two amazing, awesome, fun, energetic boys. I love them dearly, and I'm still in process of learning how to father them, to rear them, to care for them the way that God the Father does me. Uh, I've been entrusted with a vocation and a calling and a job, and I love it. I'm passionate about it, but it can be all-consuming, and I'm learning how to live with balance and to trust in his strength and in his goodness to do what he's called me to do. Uh, as that song that we were singing said, and not do it just out of my own strength, not do it out of my own control, not do it out of my own compulsions, but learn how to surrender even my vocation to the Lord so that it's done with kingdom purpose and has fruit that's eternal and lasting. From that job, God has entrusted myself and my wife works and he's entrusted us with a certain amount of finances. And we're, we're lucky. We have the ability to buy almost anything we want or need We've got more beyond our needs, and we, we give, we're generous, and yet we're still in process of learning how do we steward all that God has entrusted us for kingdom purposes, with true kingdom generosity and for eternal kingdom impact. I have neighbors around me on every side of my house. Uh, most of them I love. <laughs> Some of them get on my nerves. And I'm learning, I'm still in process of trying to figure out how do I see them with God's eyes, again, kind of like we sang about. How do I see them as image bearers of God when they're encroaching and doing stuff that causes me to go, this is, this is, do you see that fence? I'm learning. I'm in process of trying to love my neighbors the way Christ has commanded me to. I can stand up here in front of you and admit all this because I have no guilt and I have no shame in Christ because he's my savior. And I can admit to you all of those things and a lot more because I've been saved by grace through faith. And it's a gift of God, not a work of my own. So I don't have to boast in who I am or what I'm doing or where I'm in process. I can say because of God's grace that I am no longer who I once was. And I am also not yet who I am becoming in Christ. I'm in process. And the gospel and the grace of Jesus Christ allows me to admit and say that. And I'm okay with that. This morning, I'm excited to talk to you about uh, one aspect of the fourfold gospel that we're exploring this month uh, about Jesus being our sanctifier. If you uh, were here last week, we started a new series and I'm simply just calling it Jesus. And we're looking through elements of the fourfold gospel and the declarations of who Christ is as our savior, our sanctifier, McCoy's excited to come in and learn, our healer and our coming king. And last week we talked about Christ as our savior. And I just want to recap that briefly because our salvation does come before our sanctification. They are definitely linked and connected, but there is one step that needs to happen before the other. And that is the element of accepting and knowing, receiving the gift of salvation from Christ, allowing him to be your savior. And so last week we looked at Romans 3, uh, 21 through 26. And I'll just read for you here, kind of the a central crux verse of that, which was Romans 3, 23 to 24. And it said this, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. We talked about last week that yes, salvation is a gift. 
and it's for all who would receive it through faith in Jesus Christ. And part of our salvation is that we are justified, meaning we're declared not guilty. We're in good standing with God by his grace. I don't have to do anything for that other than to receive it. Not only am I justified and declared not guilty and have good standing, right standing, but I'm redeemed. I'm set free from slavery. And that means that also my shame is removed. So both my guilt and my shame are removed through salvation in Christ. And I'm also declared righteous, meaning I have divine approval. Again, I didn't earn it. I didn't do anything for it. It's a gift of grace that I get to receive. And I'm restored into relationship with God as he declares me righteous. We talked last week and we talk often that salvation literally translated from the Greek word, it means wholeness. It's this picture and this invitation, this gift to have everything put back into place, everything restored within life that sin has destroyed and fragmented and, and torn apart. God in Christ has saved us as a gift of grace that we get to receive to begin to walk in and to experience wholeness in Jesus Christ. Jesus alone is our savior. Nothing I can do to earn it. Nothing I'll ever have to do to earn it or to make up for it or to try to grasp onto it. It's simply a, a gift I get to receive. That said, I want to talk about one thing real quick I didn't get to cover last week, and that's Jesus as a universal Savior versus Jesus as a personal Savior, because both aspects exist. If you think about the, the narratives in the Gospels uh, and, and the proclamation that, that we just looked at even in the Advent season of, of Christ coming into the world and who he was, it was declared that Jesus was to be the Savior of the world, right? You think about the proclamation of, of the angels to, to the shepherds, and it was this good news of great joy for all people, right? That's true, that Jesus came to be the universal Savior, the Savior of the universe, the Savior of the world, the Savior of humanity, the Savior of all creation, again, to restore all of it back to the way that God intended before sin entered the world. That's true. That's who he is. At the same time, though, Scripture is very clear that Jesus is also the personal Savior of the world. That it is true that he has done the work that all, everyone in the world could be saved and the world will be restored under him. But there is a need for us as individuals to receive the gift of grace and salvation in Jesus. Are you guys tracking with me on this? The universal salvation, it's there. And the personal salvation. The gift has been purchased. It has been wrapped. It has been presented. And we need to receive it personally not just because my mom and dad believed, not just because my uncle or cousin, not because my neighbors are priests. I have to come to this place. The Holy Spirit is involved in that and brings revelation and opens my eyes and everything. I have to come to this place when there's revelation presented to me of who Jesus is. I have to receive this gift and unwrap it and accept Christ into my life and as my Savior. Just like at Christmas, somebody gave you a gift and if you don't unwrap it and open it, it's just a nice little box that sits there. You don't actually have that gift. Do you see what I'm saying? It's been made, bought, purchased, presented, but you got to open it and begin to play with it and engage with it. Similar with Christ as a personal savior, not just universal savior. And once you've done that, what we get to experience then is this next step of, of the process of salvation. That's knowing Jesus as our sanctifier. And that's what I want to talk about today. Sanctification and Christ as our sanctifier. So to do that, I want to read and open up our Bible in uh, Hebrews chapter 10. And I'm going to read a, a bigger chunk because it, give, again, gives us a context, connect us to last week a bit. Um, Hebrews chapter 10, we're going to read verses 1 through 18. If you have a Bible, I encourage you to open it. If not, it'll be up on the screen. And God's word says this to us this morning, church. Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 1, it says, For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form 
of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered, since the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sins? But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sin every year, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. Pause for a second there. That, again, that's part of what we were talking about last week, right? That, that actually the, the old covenant system and the sacrifices, those were not an absolution of sin. Those instead were a reminder of sin. They were pointing to something greater. They were pointing to something future that was to come, and that's Jesus, the one who would be the final ultimate sacrifice provided by God on our behalf for the world, for the salvation, for forgiveness of sin. Verse five, consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and in sin offerings, you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. When he had said the above, you have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings. These are offered according to the law. Then he also added, behold, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first, meaning the sacrificial system in the old covenant, in order to establish the second. And by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. And every priest according to the old covenant system, stands at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. Again, they're a reminder of sin. Verse 12, but when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting for that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us, for after saying that, this is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. Then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. So again here, the author of Hebrews reminds us, the law was a reminder of sin, was not a, an absolution of it. The old covenant system, it was a temporary thing. Now in Christ, God is bringing a new covenant in which we are loved, we are forgiven, we are made whole, we are justified, we are redeemed, we're declared righteous by God. We have the gift of salvation, which we get to receive. And there's another gift that actually goes along with that. It's this gift of sanctification. In verses 14, excuse me, verses 10 and verses 14, I want, I want to read that again and, and talk about what this means. And in verse 10, he writes this, and by that will, the will of Jesus coming and doing the will of God, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. And then in verse 14, he says, for by the single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. So similar to the, as we did last week, and we defined some terms that we use often, I want to define sanctified. Sanctified is this. Sanctified means made holy. It means set apart to God. But here's the thing. It's not just that we're set apart to God. Through our salvation and all the things that we looked at last week, the redemption, the justification, we are set apart from sin and set apart to God. If you think about holy as just being set apart from sin, that's actually only half of the equation. It's not just being set apart from something, but it's actually being set apart 
to something. Another way to talk about or think about this word sanctified would be this idea of being dedicated. And again, to talk a little bit about the, the, the old covenant system or the, the way that God had things set before would be helpful here. See, in the, in the Old Testament, all things were set up that were set apart to God were called sanctified. This word was used to call sanctified. So the temple, right? The temple was sanctified. It was a holy place set apart to God. The temple had never sinned before, right? But the temple was still needed to be sanctified or was declared sanctified. It was declared devoted to God for his purposes and the things he wanted to do in and amongst the people. All the instruments within the temple, same thing. They went through this process of being sanctified, being set apart from the things of the world and dedicated to God and his purposes and the reality of his glory, his presence being manifest to the people in the world. This is what sanctified is. It's set apart from sin, from the things of the world, and being set apart to God, dedicated to God. See, God saved us for something more than simply being separated from sin, which we talked about last week. God has set us apart and saved us for his purposes and his glory. His desire is that our supreme wish, our supreme desire of our heart, of our lives, our motivation, our drive would be love for him in response to his love for us and living in a way excuse me, that honors him, that pleases him. I want to read for you actually the, these two verses, verses 10 and verse 14 uh, from the first version, uh, first nations version of the Bible. I bought this in November um, as part of my own just remembrance and celebration. And it's been really rich. Just a side note, if, if you've been reading scripture for a long time and you're going this year, I want to engage in a new practice of it. Maybe I need a, a version that will speak freshly to me. This has been a gift. This has been really fresh and really beautiful, the First Nations version. I want to read these two verses because I think it, again, just the simple language of it is very powerful. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10 in the First Nations version says this, the chosen one, Jesus, did what creator wanted when he made us holy by offering his body once for all time. For by this one offering, he has for all time completely set free the ones he is making holy. Two things I want to point out here. Just as salvation is a gift of grace and Christ purchases that for us, Hebrews and every other place in scripture that speaks of sanctification also points out that sanctification too is a byproduct, if you will, of what Christ did on the cross. Sanctification is also a gift purchased for us by Jesus. His sacrifice once and for all is not only my salvation, it is also my sanctification. You tracking with me? I don't earn it. I don't have to muster it up. Oftentimes, and we'll talk about this, we think I've got to do all this work of this process of sanctification. No, no, no. Christ has already sanctified you. And Christ is the empowerment. The Holy Spirit is the empowerment for your sanctification. We'll get into that more. But here's the other thing I want to point out. Would you go back to that, that slide for me, the Hebrews 10? Here's what I want to point out, and here's something I think we we can wrestle with a little bit here. Would you guys read these out loud with me? The chosen one did what creator wanted when he made us holy by offering his body once for all time. For by this one offering, he has for all time completely set free the ones he is making holy. Read with me these underlined words. He made us holy. He is making holy. Whoa, 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 whoa. Which is it? (laughs) once and for all time made us holy. I'm completely set free, but now he's making me holy. So so which is it? Have I been made completely and fully made holy or or am I being made holy? What's your answer to that? Yes. 
good? The answer is yes. Sanctification is the process of becoming in reality what we've already been declared to be in Christ by God's grace. Sanctification is the process of becoming in reality, in, in, my, in my experience, in, in my day-to-day life, what, what I've already been declared by to be true of me in Christ by God's grace. See, our salvation has been paid for and done and bought, purchased, sealed, signed, delivered by Christ alone on the cross and through his resurrection. Our sanctification has as well. And yet, there is a, there's an ongoing process in which we are to experience this being made holy of God's grace at work in our life, made possible through Jesus Christ. The source of our sanctification, it's Jesus alone. I want to read for you uh, the way Paul wrote it in, in another uh, book in Corinthians. He said this in 1 Corinthians 1, 30 and 31. He said, and because of him, because of God, and his love, and all that he's done, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Again, I just want to make this real clear. Our salvation, there's no reason for us to boast in it, because it's a gift to receive it. Our sanctification as well, there's no reason for us to boast in it, because that too is a gift. Christ is our sanctification. He's made provision for it through his death and his resurrection. Jesus is our sanctifier. And at the same time, there is this invitation, though, to be active participants in our sanctification process. I want to read for you Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 13. In Philippians chapter 2, 12 through 13, it says this. You should have it on the, on the board as well. It says, therefore, my beloved, and then this is Paul writing to Christians in Philippi, therefore, my beloved, As you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So I'm going to ask you a question again. Who, in the process of sanctification and becoming more like Christ in character and in image and learning how to understand God's will and surrender to it. Who's doing the work in this, according to Paul's letter here? Is it God or is it me? What's your answer to that question? Yes. (laughs) It's both. Our sanctification is 100% a work of grace and a gift of grace. And we're invited to respond to that grace and allow that, receive that grace and allow it to be the empowerment for now working out this salvation that has been granted to us as a gift and is 100%, again, uh, given to us and secure in Christ. But we need to come to the place of realizing it and living it out here in this world as we wrestle in the now, but not yet, as we wrestle against sin and temptation and all those things and become, again, what we already have been made in Christ. In some regards, all of those words that we talked about last week in terms of sanctification, redemption, propitiation, all of those, those are what we we would call this um, positional truths. It is positionally true that I am 100% forgiven and I am sanctified and I'm made whole. That's positionally true in in the spiritual realm and in terms of in God's eyes and, and what is true of me when Christ is my savior. And now there is this reality this existence of what needs to become true and what, what God is inviting us to experience. Are you guys tracking with me on that? 
If you have any sense of <laughs> humility in your walk with Jesus over the years, you probably can look at this and go, oh yeah, right. Paul, Paul writes in Corinthians in another place, and he, he says, if anyone is in Christ, they are new creation. Behold, the old is gone and the new has come. Again, this is a work of God. And we can stand there and we go, yes, I'm a new creation. Again, positionally true. That's true of me. And that there's days and there's times, whether it's in my marriage, in my parenting, in interaction with my neighbors, with coworkers, just in day to day, where I'm going, oh, I don't feel like a new creation right now. Because there's something else inside of me, my sin nature, that is wanting me to do something else in relation to this person that I, if I'm honest, I'm acknowledging is not in line with God's law of love and of freedom. Not for me and not for what I want to do to this person. I think therein lies our tension, right? What do we do? I want to share with you a few things that I think promote, if you will, or are part of our working out our own salvation with fear and trembling, our participation in this work of sanctification that is a gift that God is doing in your life and in mine right now, if you are a follower of Jesus. Here's a few things I want to walk through and talk about that I believe promote or are, again, our work of, of participation to grace in our sanctification. The first, I, I think I put together this, and I'll just list them, and I want to talk about them. First would be this, honesty and hunger. Second would be humility. Third would be surrender. And fourth would be abiding in love. I believe when Paul is talking about work out your salvation or anywhere in scripture where, again, this, this, this reality, this truth of sanctification is presented to us, that it's, again, a work of God, but also we are active participants in it. I believe these are the things being pointed to. Honesty and hunger, humility, surrender, abiding in love. Honesty and hunger would be this. Honesty about our shortcomings and our failures to love, and then desiring a hunger for more freedom and more wholeness in Jesus. You know, we say here at Missio what? That we exist to be what? What's the first thing we say? An authentic community, right? When we talk about being an authentic community, it's not being authentic about being, hey, are you saved or not? <laughs> the authenticity of community is actually being honest about where we're at in our process of our sanctification. Acknowledging that I have been saved by grace. I have nothing to boast in. I'm better than no one in this room. We're all on a level playing field. I'm better than no one in this world, actually. It's been a gift that I have salvation. And now it's, again, I'm working this out and, and am I honest about the places where I'm still working out and figuring out how to become in reality what God has already made me in Christ by his grace? Can I be honest about that? That I've been married for 15 and a half years and my wife is amazing and sometimes I'm a donkey and I'm still learning how to love her the way that Christ has commanded me to love her. Can I be honest about that? Can I be real about that? Or do I try to put on and pretend, no, things are good. She's great and I'm great too. It's all good. Or can I be honest and have my people that I talk with and share and go, I'm struggling here. I, I remember telling when I, when I taught youth group and I was trying to teach them about sanctification, I was telling them uh, one of the first things that God sanctified me through was an avocado. We got married and we'd gone away to this all-inclusive resort. And so you eat all you want, you do everything. And then you get home and guess what? Somebody's got to cook and make meals. And so here I am, it's the first day back and we're getting ready to pack in our lunches for work. And I go down and I make the lunches and there was half of it. There was one avocado and it was just half of it actually left. And we both love turkey and avocado sandwiches. And so I'm making it and I'm like making mine and I put all this avocado on it, whatever. And I used like the whole half and I get to my wife's bread and I'm going, oh, there's no avocado left. And in my mind, I'm like, okay, I could either tell her there was just no avocado and sorry, you just get the turkey, plain turkey sandwich. Or like, what's the actual loving thing to do for my wife here? 
Well, one, it's be honest about the avocado, and two, it's give her some of the avocado, if not all of it. You know what I mean? And it was, it was this honest moment of going, oh, <laughs> when I was single, like I knew I was selfish a little bit. But when I got married, what were my eyes open to? The reality of the fullness of my selfishness. That God saved me from that, but I still had to then walk it out and become that. God purchased in Christ my sanctification that I could become what he saved me to become. And now I needed to receive grace, even in a simple decision, a moment like that, to, to receive that grace and go, oh yeah, like I don't, I don't have to be selfish. I don't have to live in fear. I can think about someone outside of myself and all of those things. Honesty about where I'm actually at in this life and in this walk with Jesus, but then also allow the Holy Spirit to move me to a place of hunger in response to that. When, I, when, I'm, when I'm honest and I'm, my eyes are open to the reality of where I'm at with, with something, do I then hunger for God, for Christ, to be the one and the empowerment to be my, my sanctification? Or do I just turn to things and satisfy my hunger? Because often, the reason why I talk about it is because often when we're honest about our failings and our shortcomings and our weaknesses and our things, we either have a choice, again, to be honest about it or not. And sometimes we're honest about it and we go, ooh, I, that's, I'm honest about it and here it is. But at the same time is this then this void that's created from that that goes, well, I can just fulfill that pain or that longing, that sense of shame or guilt that comes with the honesty of this. And, and I have this appetite actually that's connected to it. Does that make sense? Do you track with me? Because that's how it plays out with me. And I now have a choice. Do I want to, that appetite, do I want to solve that appetite with just something that can make me feel good for a moment? Or do I actually want to be honest enough and go, that thing's busted, it's broken. Again, it's not in line with God's love within my heart and I'm, I'm aware of that. And so Lord, would you come and fill this hunger, come and fill this void? Would you be the one who now empowers me to do something in response? Would your grace be the thing that motivates me moves me forward and not just filling with, again, my appetite with the things of the hunger of this world? Do I actually hunger then for freedom and for wholeness in Jesus as my eyes are open to the ways that I'm not yet living in it? Connected to that then would, would be humility. Humility, I believe, is about the asking and the seeking that we must come to see Jesus alone as our sanctifier. I think part of the humility and sanctification is, again, that I can, we can do this also with our salvation, but with our sanctification where I can go, yep, I'm the one that's making myself more holy. I'm the one that's making myself more good because I read this and I give this and I serve here and I do this. All good things, right? But if I begin to say that those are the things that I am putting on or the things that I am doing to sanctify myself, then Christ is not my sanctifier. I am my sanctifier. Humility is to say, just like in my salvation, I got nothing that I bring to the table. But Lord, your grace calls me to you. In the sanctification, it's the same thing. I actually have nothing that I can bring to the table that can sanctify myself. But Jesus, you're my sanctifier, and it's your grace in this moment and in this process. And so here I am. Would you allow your grace to work within me? Because I can't muster it up. I don't got it. I need a sanctifier, and it's not myself. Jesus, it's you. We can't transform ourselves. See, sanctification is not self-improvement. <laughs> sanctification is not do better, try harder. Sanctification, again, is a gift and a work of grace purchased by Christ on the cross. And it is that grace, and it's the ongoing grace in the process of us being made holy 
and becoming in reality what we already are made in positionally by God in Christ. I love what um, Lindsay Carlson, she wrote a book uh, actually about the book of Hebrews, and it's, it's called A Better Encouragement, Trading Self-Help for True Hope. Lindsay Carlson said this, she said, sometimes as Christians, we can become so preoccupied with looking mature that we attempt to skip the process of actually growing up. Sometimes as Christians, we can be so preoccupied with looking mature or looking sanctified, like looking like we're something that we're not, that we attempt to skip the actual process of, of growing up, of, of, of sanctification. Yeah, she was talking about the need for God's grace to, to open our eyes and to grasp the true beauty of, of what God is doing in sanctification and the true beauty of growing in godliness. I appreciate the way that uh, John the Apostle wrote it in First uh, John uh, first chapter and uh, verses eight through 10, he writes this and he says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So again, this is John, right? The one who wrote the gospels, the one who wrote Revelation, that was an apostle of Jesus. He's writing to churches. He's writing to people who are already Christians and he's writing to them and he, he calls them the beloved. And then he says to them, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. What's he saying? He's like, yeah, you have salvation but you also still have sin in, in, in your heart and in your minds and your lives. You still do have a sin nature that needs to be done away with by the work of grace in your life. But if you say that that's not true about you, you're actually deceiving yourself. And you're not fully understanding the reality of salvation. We, we all still have sin that, we, that needs to be worked out. But he says this, so what do we do with that? Here's what he says. He says, but in verse nine, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and he is just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Verse 10 says, if we say we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. But look at verse nine for a second. If we confess our sins, again, honesty, humility, hunger is part of that process. If we confess our sins, he is faithful, God is faithful, and he is just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How much unrighteousness? How much unrighteousness? And what does all mean? Does all mean all or does all mean some? I'm serious. Does all mean all or does all mean some? All means all. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be funny or crass or whatever, but like, you know what I'm saying? Because I think sometimes, we, again, we get to this place and we go, I, again, I'm, I'm aware. I've been made this new creation. I'm aware I've been saved. And yet I get to this place now in this journey with Christ and I go, Ooh, I don't know if it's safe for me to admit that after 20 years, I'm finally now struggling with something. Or I'm at this place and what are they going to think if I tell them I actually don't have it together in this area? What's going be, what's, what's to be the outcome within this community or whatever? If, if I, you know, we're all in process. And the grace of God has made provision for our salvation and for us to be in process of sanctification. And when we find ourselves in this place, of honesty and of humility and of hunger for something more, the provision there again is Jesus. And it's coming to him and acknowledging, going, Lord, in this area, I do not yet know and understand your way of love. I still have this way of brokenness and this, this way within me that, that pulls at me and that tugs at me and invites me to do, go this way. But I, I know that your, your way of love would call me to this. And so, Lord, I bring that to you. I come before you, Jesus. You are my sanctifier. And so I come and I confess to you that this is the thing, this is the area in my life 
And I can come boldly to you because of the cross and your resurrection. And I admit and I acknowledge, here is the unrighteousness. Here is this thing. Here is the way of brokenness and crookedness within my heart. Jesus, would you change that? Would you take it? Actually, you already have, but I'm offering it up to acknowledge it to you and to say, Jesus, come and be my sanctifier here in this thing right now. Because I cannot sanctify myself. Only you can. And John tells us here that Jesus looks at us the one who is faithful, the one who is just. And what does he do? He forgives us of our sin and he cleanses us of that unrighteousness. And sometimes, church, I think it is instant. <laughs> but sometimes that's the first step of sanctification in a certain area. And then again, it's working out now that salvation with fear and trembling through grace of God. You tracking with me? Paul writes, later, and he talks about this idea of surrender, which would be another step of it. In second, uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, uh, verse 23, he writes this, and he says, now may the God of peace, I think this is 23 and 24, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls us is faithful, he will surely do it. Again, Paul paints this picture of sanctification is holistic, just like salvation is holistic. It's spirit, it's soul, it's body. It's the ways that I think, it's the ways that I act, it's the things that I believe. It's, it's, it's holistic, this, this process of becoming what God has already made us to be in Christ. And he, he said, he who calls us is faithful. It's God's work. God's, God's faithfully going to do that. But are you, are you hungry for it? Do you desire it? Are you honest about the ways in which you need it? Because the grace is there for it, but it's holistic. Sometimes we talk about, um, never mind, I'll, I'll skip that for time. The, the, the fourth thing. Uh, so so there's, there's honesty and hunger, there's humility, there's surrender, and then there's the final one, ab abiding in love. Maintaining a, a continuous relationship with Christ, abiding in his love, abiding in his word. I think this is part of us working out our salvation with fear and trembling. This is part of us participating in this, this act, of, act of grace that's ongoing in our lives. Creating space, having rhythms and patterns, ways in which I am putting myself in position to receive the grace, to be reminded of it and to receive it, to allow God's word and even God's spirit to get within me, to dwell within me, to abide in me, and to begin to pr produce again this, this conformity to the life of Christ, this, this desire for the will of God and conformity to that will. When Jesus talks about Holy Spirit and talks about abiding in love in, in John 15, John 14, 15, 16, where he talks about who Holy Spirit is, he speaks about Holy Spirit and he says that, that the Father has given the Holy Spirit so that Christ may be glorified in the believer. I think it literally says the Holy Spirit is given by the Father so that Jesus Christ will be glorified in the believer. He says, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will lead and guide you into truth. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. Again, the sanctification, it's, it's a gift. It's part of the provision Christ has made for us. And it's not something we can do our own. There, there's this process of surrendering and abiding to God's love in our life and to Holy Spirit in our life. Learning, as again, as we sang in that song, I'm learning to know that you're speaking through the word, by your spirit, and submitting, surrendering myself to the things that you're speaking, to the truth that you're speaking for my good for your glory in this world.
And this process, church, too, is, is, not, is not just for the individual. I'm, I'm close on time, so I'm, I'm going to truncate some things here. But I want to say this. For us to understand that, that, that this process of sanctification, it's not actually just about, again, myself either, an individual, but it's for the church. All of these words of sanctification, all of these words, they're, they're, they're written in letters, right? Written to the church. It's an invitation to a group of people, yes, individually work out your salvation with fear and trembling, but also to, the, to a community of believers saying, you as a whole, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Do it together. Acknowledge the grace that is in Christ for this growth process, for this maturation, for becoming the body that Christ called you to be when, when you were formed and shaped in his heart and in his mind. That miss you as a community, we are not yet who God has called us to be. We've got 10, 12, whatever it is, your history. There's ways in which we're growing and maturing, but we're at a new phase and a new stage even. And for us together to go, Jesus, would you be the sanctifier of this body that you have called together? You be Lord of that. We need your grace. For us to be together praying for that, seeking for that, humble about that, real about where we are in this process. And to know that together our sanctification is linked within the body. That as you grow and are sanctified, that that invites and encourages me to grow in my sanctification. But I think the converse of that can be true as well. And I just want to touch base on these. A few things that I think can prevent or hinder our sanctification. Work through these kind of quickly. Ignorance, apathy, fear, persistence, and sin. Ignorance, what do I mean by that? Literally just the lack of knowing that sanctification is part of my salvation. There are salvation models out there where it's, hey, I pray and I receive Jesus and he, I believe he's punched my ticket to heaven and now I can just go about my life and do whatever I want. As racist as I was on the day that I met Jesus, I can just continue to be that racist. As jealous as I was that day, as greedy as, whatever it was, like I, I, I received him, I'm saved, that's my ticket to heaven, so I'm good. I just go about and do my own thing. And an ignorance or an apathy to going, no, 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 no. I mean, that's half of the book of Romans is Paul writing going, this grace of salvation. So where grace is abound, should sin abound? And I can just go on to, no, by no means, Paul says, no, no, no. That grace of salvation has also the grace of sanctification. And it is part of the process that we respond to that grace with, again, the hunger and the desire to go, Lord, transform me in this. Because what I actually desire is the freedom and the wholeness, which you've already secured for me in Jesus. And I want to live that out and realize that more and more. As of today, nobody has any excuse in this room or on Zoom for ignorance. You hear me? <laughs> Hopefully I've explained it pretty clearly. Yes, you've been saved, but that's not the end of the story. Not just being saved from sin, but you've been saved into a relationship with the living God who desires to transform you and make you whole for his purposes and for his kingdom coming in this world. Apathy, you know what that word means. It's just going, okay, now I know about this. I'm not ignorant anymore, but I just kind of don't even care. I still kind of just want to go on and, and do my thing because that's me. Fear, here's the reality. Transformation can actually be scary, right? <laughs> I remember the first time I stepped into a room when I was a young believer and I confessed sin to uh, my, my discipler at the time. I didn't know how he would respond. I didn't know. I'd never experienced that. And I was going, oh my gosh, what do I do here? But it was just this moment, like, I got to get this off my chest. Like, I just felt the conviction of Holy Spirit inviting me to be free. And I had to do something about it. So go in. And then also, I was like, okay, what's, what's he going to ask me to do instead, right? Like, what, what, what might be, you know what I'm saying? 
not just stop doing this thing then, or, but, but what's, what's the infilling? What's the positive? What's the good? And I think sometimes we do that, right? Again, we, we, we can realize and go, ah, oh, this is not in the way of God's love, but I'm going, what's the alternative? I'm afraid of what this might actually mean. Change is not easy, but change through sanctification, transformation by the grace of God, I guarantee you on the other side of that is a gift of freedom, a gift of wholeness that God has for you because that's his heart. John writes later in, in that book, First John, and he writes and he talks about uh, God loves us perfectly and his perfect love casts out fear. I invite you to think about this morning, the perfect love of God and allow it to drive out the fear of any way when you go, oh, I know I want wholeness or sanctification in this, but I'm afraid. To believe and know that it's the love of God that saved you, it's the love of God that's sanctifying you, and that perfect love only intends your good. You don't need to be afraid of the wholeness that God is inviting you into. You don't need to be afraid of the transformation that God's inviting you into. There's love and goodness on the other side. And finally, then persistent sin. Just going again, it might, that might be the same as ignorance or apathy, or whatever, but persistent sin of just going, I know this isn't in line with God's will. And again, I'm just, I'm just going to keep on doing it because it feels good or because I like it or because I don't think it's an alternative, but just persistence and pretty much in a sense, then just going, all right, like I'm, I'm going to do this my will, my way. This thing is just too great and I don't, I don't care. So Monsieur, this morning, I want to invite you to consider a couple of things in terms of application for this. Um, first, Acknowledge and accept Jesus as your sanctifier. Again, maybe this morning you thought, oh, I knew I needed Jesus as my savior, but you also need him as your sanctifier. And would you, would you make that acknowledgement and like that acceptance of going, Jesus, be my sanctifier. To know that you don't have to bootstrap it. It's not white knuckling. It's not your strength or power. It's Jesus. It's God's grace. We can't transform ourselves, but he desires to. And secondly, to be honest and humble and to go, where's a place in my life that I know I need to experience the grace of sanctification or that I want to experience the grace of sanctification. And here would be my, my, my encouragement to you on, on the other side of that is not, not just acknowledge it, but then to actually go and confess it. Step into the truth of the invitation in first John one, eight and nine, again, where it says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and he's just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness that his grace invites us to that. And I want you to consider something as you think about that. I think there's power in confession to God. Yes, 100%. I can go, I can go into my room, I can pray or go to my car, wherever I am, and just me and God and confess something. What I've experienced in my life, in my years of following Jesus, actually confessing to another person or in the presence of someone else, I don't want to say it's more powerful, but in some regards it is. It brings more fully, again, the experience of what is true in reality of what God has already done for me uh, through grace. Because what you and I need, and we're actually, we're going to take communion again this morning. What you and I need is not just, again, knowing positionally that this is true, but you and I need the reality of the experience. And when I sit and I confess something, I'll use Kelly as my example, and this happens often in our relationship. When I come to Kelly and I'm going, Kelly, I messed up in this, or I'm, I'm realizing I'm not walking the way I love this. What Kelly is actually doing for me is he is incarnating or he is embodying the reality of the grace of God for me. 
in the way that he listens, and in the way that he receives me, in the way that he does not judge me, in the way that he does not condemn me, in the way that he does not belittle me, in the way that he opens his arms and he loves me and he listens and he hears and he receives, he's embodying for me one of the roles that actually each of us is called to as prophet, priest, and king in in, in image of God. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, that's who we are actually, and get to receive the confession of one another. He embodies that reality for me, and it's super powerful. Because when I confess in front of him, a brother who I want to think that I'm competent, who I want to think that I'm good, who I want to think that I've got it all together, when I humble myself and am honest and in humility come before him to do that act, Again, in that interaction of human flesh to human flesh, the confession of my sin and him receiving it and speaking words of grace over me and saying, brother, let me pray with you. Let me take you to the foot of the cross. So you don't have to just do it on your own, but let me go with you in prayer to the foot of the cross. There's a powerful thing that happens in that moment of confession where all of a sudden I am now experiencing the reality of, wow, I am received and I am forgiven. All those things that are positionally true, I'm experiencing them true in my reality. I think I've asked this a lot today, but church, are you tracking with me? Does that make sense? So our application today, church, I want to invite you to do that. Where's a place in your life that you know you need to experience or you want to experience the grace of sanctification? Being set free and me made whole. And I'm not saying you have to do it here this morning. I'm saying this week, today, think about, acknowledge with humility and then find find someone Someone who's your person. They might be part of this community. They might be someone you need to pick up the phone to, whatever, but find someone and, and say, look, hey, my eyes have been opened. Here's an area where I just, I, I know I need sanctification. Here's my struggle. Here's the thing where I'm not walking in the way of love. And I know that God is calling me, calling me to that. Would you, would you hear and receive my confession? And in that, both our guilt and our shame are removed. And finally, this church this morning I, I want to invite you to, to come to the table. If you are a follower of Jesus and you have accepted him as your savior, I want to invite you to come to the table this morning and receive. And Kelly's going to explain kind of the logistics of it. We're, we're slowly, as we come out of pandemic mode, re-engaging new modes of communion. This morning, like we used to, we're going to invite you to come up to the table. And on the table, you're going to find those same little cups. And what you're finding is is a remembrance of the body of Christ broken for you and the blood of Christ shed for you. And I'm inviting you to, to stand up and to come forward as an act again of acknowledging Jesus. You're not only my savior, but you're also my sanctifier. And I can't change myself. I can't transform myself. And I believe in coming and taking that your grace is present for me. Your grace is available to me. Your grace is sufficient to continue the work of setting me free and making me whole through what you did on your cross, on the cross. Again, when your body was broken and your blood was shed. And so let me pray and then we'll, we'll worship and we'll receive communion. And again, Kelly will provide instructions. God, we thank you this morning for who you are. Thank you that you love us because of who you are, not because of who we are. That the love is, is from you and it's for us. And God, we get to receive it. And your love has been fully shown through Jesus Christ, your son, his perfect life, his sacrificial death, his powerful resurrection, and even as some of these passages talked about, him sitting right now, ascended, glorified at your right hand. Jesus, we acknowledge who you are this morning, and we receive you as not only our Savior, but our sanctifier. We receive the grace, the provision that is there for us to continually be made whole, to become God who you intended and desire for us to be. God, we, we want to be set free. 
I pray that you would hear the longings of our hearts, God. Hear those longings and those areas and those ways that we, we need and want to be free. Lord, and would you come and meet us in those places. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would work and you would minister here in this room and to those online. Holy Spirit, come and bring the knowledge of greater, fuller salvation in Christ. And God, may we have the humility to receive. May we walk in greater health, greater wholeness, greater fullness, so that, yes, God, this world would come to know you more fully through us. Jesus, thank you for the sufficiency of your grace. Praise in your name. Amen.